0: All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled women's in the ring. At- In this, the latest edition of the two-minute round face-to-face, we spoke to Luisa Haden, ex-world champion from Australia, who now fights out of Los Angeles. This coming September 8th, she'll be facing Tijuana's own Brenda Flores for the vacant WBC Adam Waite title. Haddon spoke to us about that first world title win, leaving her children behind in Australia, and what we can expect from her inside the ring at the Fabulous Forum on this September 8th. For a lot of people that are not familiar with you, I mean, obviously people that are into female boxing and follow the sport know about you since Mm -hmm. you're a former world champion. But for all those that don't know about you, especially here in the United States, since you only fought here in the United States and you mostly fought out in Asia and your native Australia, why don't you tell them Mm -hmm. how you got into the sport and how would you describe your style? Yeah, okay, cool.
1: Um, Well, I've been boxing for a little little, little, bit, just under five years and I pretty much got into the sport because my uh, great friend at the time wanted to do some fitness classes and needed a companion to boost her up so she brought me along and I got in the gym and basically just fell in love the minute I walked in and it just kind of reignited all of the um, athletic being inside of me so it just stole my heart and I got excited and my Adrenaline started pumping again, so it was a good place for me to be. And at the time, I was also going through a bit of a hard patching life, so I really feel like it's saved saved a part of my life and given me good purpose and drive and desire.
0: Now, those that know about you know that you were into extreme sports previous (laughs) to boxing, right? You were like a skater or something like that? or surfer. Yeah,
1: that's right skateboarder so when I was like in my teen, my late teens I was um, competing on the world circuit for skateboarding and um, traveling around traveling around the world getting to do that so it was such an epic time in my life and I think that there's a lot of similar um, similar grounds for boxing like the balance and the movement it kind of makes me feel free so um, you know it's it's again like making me feel like that athlete that um, I've always wanted to be. So when I found boxing, it just gave me that spark again that um, skateboarding used to give me.
0: Now, I, I mean, you could suffer some injuries in skateboarding as well as in boxing. I mean, they <laughs> come from different from they come from different spots. I mean, in skateboarding, you fall, you might break a leg, a finger, an arm. In boxing, you have at, your actual That's opponent true. is. Their goal is to physically impose some harm on you. So, how do you compare that, <laughs> and where do you have you feel more pain in skateboarding or in boxing?
1: Oh, that's a good question. You know, what? it all it all hurts. It all hurts, but it's all part of uh, what you do. I guess when you're enjoying and loving what you do, you don't feel it like as much as someone that would just get on a board and stack it, or get in the ring and cop a couple in the face. So. Um, I think it's pretty similar, like the boxing boxing has a lot more um demands, I believe, with your fitness and um a lot more uh, uh disciplines. You know, you have to get up, you have to do all your work, otherwise you're not gonna be prepared to be fit enough to be in the ring. So I'd say that wear and tear your body oof, it's kinda of more demanding in boxing, but you know, when you're throwing yourself down big gaps on a skateboard it's it's painful, too, so uh I think it's pretty similar
0: now, do you think that the coordination that you need to to do some of the skateboarding moves, you know like the the tricks and stuff, have helped you in the mm-hmm. coordination with boxing as far as uh getting together and putting together the combinations?
1: Ah, hundred percent you know skateboarding is all about agility and balance, and um definitely crosses over to uh boxing and you know, it's all about movement and momentum. So skateboarding is momentum, and same with boxing. You know, you get that momentum and you keep moving with the rhythm and the timing. So it's, it's definitely given me good groundings to have that straight off the bat.
0: You you kind of started in boxing a little bit later in life. I mean, obviously you're athletic with your previous life in the skateboard and everything. Mm-hmm. But did you have a, a, an amateur career? or did you just pretty much go straight into the professional ranks?
1: Um, I had two amateur bouts and just pretty much went straight into professional. Um, it just attracted me a whole lot more, like the whole the whole uh, show, the whole event, you know, the, the lights, the music, the excitement, and the crowd and everything like that. It just excited me. So I didn't really think so much about the amateurs. And at the time, I was, Pretty hard to get matchups at my weight. So, you know, it just kind of, I guess I was just given the pass straight into the professionals.
0: So, what do you remember about that first fight back in March of 2014 in Australia mm-hmm. where you won your uh, yeah. unanimous decision over? Uh, I'm I'm Uh imagining a Thai fighter. So what do you remember about that and the difference between having the smaller gloves and no headgear in the amateurs, even though your amateur career wasn't that long, but I'm sure in sparring as well, you wear the bigger gloves and the headgear and now you find yourself against an opponent that has smaller gloves, no headgear, as (laughs) well as you, and they're trying to knock you out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was a great buzz and a great excitement. I was pretty chuffed to be there and arrive at that place. Um, I was actually used to sparring with no headgear. We never used to spar with headgear and things like that. We were using 10-ounce gloves to spar in. So I think I was pretty conditioned and ready for that. I actually found it more strange wearing all the gear, to be honest with you. Um, But that first fight was actually in 6-ounce gloves, which... Surprised me because I thought we were going to be wearing eight, But, you know, it was it was a good fight. And um, I've definitely learned a lot from there. And I've progressed along the way. And it's been like my professional career has been my apprenticeship as well to learn everything and do it and um, do it at my best. So every day I'm learning, every day.
0: Now, you you strung together a number of wins. And then you find yourself in Japan against Kate Takenaka, mm-hmm for the vacant WBO life flyweight title which you ended up winning as a unanimous decision. How did that fight come about so soon in your career? And how did you feel once they put that that uh that belt around your, your waist?
1: Uh it came about I won the WBO Asian Pacific title in two thousand and fifteen. I believe it was August two thousand fifteen. And I'd be chasing, that's you know, my whole vision was to be fighting for world championships. So in my mind it was just what I was going after. I didn't really think about how quickly or when, I just was hungry. So I got offered the opportunity to go up two weights and fight for the um, light flyweight title. And it was actually meant to be originally against the champion in South Korea. So there was like a lot of setbacks with that fight and it ended up taking about 10 months before I actually got in the ring to fight for that title. Um, with the opponent changing and obviously the country changing. So I just stayed focused and had tunnel vision and rode the ups and the downs and stayed hungry. And when I finally got to Japan, and I was just overjoyed with the emotion of finally getting there and finally being able to have that world championship fight. So when they, you know, the day that we fought was so hot as well, it was like, 90% humidity, and it was just steaming. We were sweating before we got in the ring. And finally, when I got the belt put around me, I was just, I just hadn't, I didn't really have many words. I was just happy. And I, it was like a, an emotional feeling for me that finally I had that fight and finally we've, we accomplished what we set out to do. So, yeah, it was, it was a long journey to that fight, but in hindsight, it wasn't really. So. <laughs>
0: Now unfortunately you didn't have a chance to defend it and you ended up being out of the ring for almost 2 years. Yeah. Why the hi- why the hiatus from from the boxing ring?
1: Uh it was just tough like I I traveled into somebody else's backyard and won the world title and it didn't, I didn't you know to come back at home it was challenging to find someone that wanted to, you know, support I guess women's boxing and And that kind of stuff. So I was, I was pretty gutted that I wasn't able to defend the title in, in my home. And, um, yeah, the setbacks after that was a bumpy ride and wasn't, definitely wasn't for the faint hearted. So I just stayed on track every day. I stayed training every day. I ran every day. I still did all my work. So, um, you know, in the end, I actually wanted to fight for the world championship in my own weight. I just took that opportunity because it was put in front of me, and I just jumped at it. So, um, you know, when I got to, I got down the back down to my own weight and got the opportunities there. So I'm I'm happy to be fighting back down at atom um, weight and minimum weight. So I'm pretty psyched to be back here.
0: Now, now you find yourself in the United States. Did you have a promoter back in Australia when when you won the title?
1: No, no, I didn't. I was fighting at the local um, shows, but, you know, once I went overseas and took that opportunity, I didn't have a promoter behind me.
0: So that would made it difficult to actually be able to defend the title.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> so now you find you know, yourself I really in the... Wanted
1: to fight. I really wanted to fight huh. on the um, on the Juan Pacquiao undercard, you know? That would have been just an epic thing for me to be able to do in, in front of Australia and to send that title there, but the opportunity didn't arise, I guess, so I just how went has, along as a spectator. <laughs>
0: how has Australia supported or not supported female boxing? What is the reaction in Australia, in your home country, as far as female boxing?
1: You know, I, I believe that it's growing, um, as it is around the world. It takes a little bit longer, but with the amateurs and the Olympics and things like that, the girls are starting to... Um, you know, have their time to shine and, and get the support that they need to develop. Um, it's certainly growing and being accepted more and more. but you know I just think on the whole around the world, women's boxing needs to be accepted a whole lot more. There's you know, I, I give a lot of respect to any fighter that wants to step in the ring. It takes a lot of a lot of training, a lot of dedication, a lot of sacrifice, and a lot of guts to step inside the ring and um, compete with somebody else that's throwing punches at you in front of the crowd, you know? So there's a lot of respect for everybody, but the women women are pushing themselves to different levels, and you can see that when these uh, big fights are happening. So you can see that the women are getting on that level and the, the athleticism and the skills and talent is growing. So um, in Australia... I think that they could get behind us a little bit more. Um, But I I believe that boxing in Australia is starting to grow again because it kind of went through a bit of a lull. So with that Horn Pacquiao fight, it's definitely caused a bit more of a buzz in Australia. And then hopefully they get some more big fights out there and get a good promoter that can uh, really hype up the fights in a good way.
0: Now, you find yourself in the United States. You're with a junior trainer in Jimmy Montoya. You have a, a manager in Grant Phillips and a promoter in 360 mm-hmm. Promotions of Tom Loeffler. I mean, obviously, all these three guys are heavy hitters in the sport. I mean, you can't get much better than, than those three guys that, that are now mm-hmm. your part of your team. How did that all come That's about? Right. How did you, how did you yeah. come to the United States? What was the decision to come to the United States? And how did you come to the United States from, from your native Australia?
1: You know, after I won the Asian Pacific title, I came out here. I never really had the vision that I would be staying in Australia. I just didn't see it. Like for me to be able to grow as an athlete, I had to obviously come to the to the land of where it, it all it is. You know, everything. So to be in the United States, I traveled out here to have a look and check it out, and then. I met people and I kept doing my thing obviously and then just trying to find my way of how I would be able to come out here and get those opportunities. So I guess on I met uh I was on Instagram. <laughs> so social media is a great thing at the moment. And um we just he, I guess he saw a picture and I saw pictures of his stuff and we started chatting and You know, I was explaining how, where I was, what I was doing and, you know, he opened up the doors to meet me and I came across and met him and, you know, the rest is history. So he's actually training me now here in LA and managing me and I've got a good team and a great support around me at the moment and I'm super hyped to be um, under Tom Loeffler and working with 360 Promotions because, you know, my favourite boxer is Triple G, so to be under that banner and um you know working with these guys is amazing and the team is, is they're all great. They're such great people, so now I would I'm
0: imagine the, I I would imagine that the toughest part of your whole move, even though you're you're very uh, excited to be in the United States, but the toughest part of your whole move is leaving your children behind. How how does that work out and yeah. who do they stay with? Who
1: do they stay with? Yeah, you know that's been one of my biggest uh, challenges I believe making that move and I think partly is why it's, it took me a little bit longer to to come over here and just get in that mindset that I've just got to do my work and you know um, as a mother it's very hard to leave your children but I believe that what I'm giving them and the lessons that I'm teaching them is, is far greater and hopefully we'll come back to shine later when they as they grow as um, adults um, at, at the moment when they're at home, they stay with their dad. Chris is a beautiful man and a, we're great friends and we encourage each other. And I'm very thankful for that support that I have from, um, from home. So they're very uh, happy children and they're in a loving place. So I'm happy about that. If they weren't, I wouldn't be able to be here.
0: Mm. Now, I imagine that with the advent of social media, like you mentioned, you know, with FaceTime and all that, it it doesn't make it easy, but it just makes it a little bit more tolerable that you maybe can see them face to face every night uh, on your phone or your tablet, right?
1: That's right. Like, it's such a blessing for us to be able to FaceTime and see each other and you know, like just hang out. It's almost like you get on the Facetime, but you're sitting next to them and they're talking to you, like you're just chilling with them in their room or whatever they're doing. You know, they're still doing what they got to do, but you're just there. So it's yeah, it's definitely been a great help for, I, I believe, for them, but probably more for me because I miss mm-hmm. them so much. So yeah.
0: Now getting back to the boxing, your first five back uh was at the Staple center i mean sorry at the forum and it was on super yeah. yeah and i That's was actually it. i was there i watched the fight and when i first uh-huh. saw the fight announced i'm going to be quite honest with you i thought it was a, a bad a bad move by your team i actually mentioned it to tom afterwards in, in an interview that even though mm-hmm. you're you're a former world champion your opponent Ana, that it's no slouch. I mean, her her record is, is right. somehow not impressive. 16 wins, 17 losses at the time of your fight. But those who follow female boxing know that she's a tough, tough fighter. So how did that decision yeah. come about? And tell me about that fight. What was going through your mind as she kept coming and coming and coming and everything that you were doing wasn't really working against her? And, and, and you ended up using, losing a unanimous decision, your first loss as a professional.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was pretty gutted but um it's part of the part of the game I guess. Uh the fight came about, I guess it was like one that was easy to get the match up at that fight, and again I was at hundred and eight pounds. Um, which is, you know, heavier than what I had been fighting. Um I think I felt she's definitely a veteran and she's definitely hardy. She's been in there a long time. She's she's, you know, been in a lot of world championship fights and she was no joke and I knew that coming in. Um, I just found my timing was a little bit off and uh, my movement, you know, just to settle back in, I guess the ring rust on me had played more of a part than I thought it would in my mind. So, yeah, it was all a learning curve and um, make the adjustments and figure out what I need to be to be more me um, in the ring. And, yeah, it was part of the journey and... Uh, You take what you can from it and take the positives, I guess, from the negatives and and grow from that.
0: I guess, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure with an undefeated fighter. Um, And now do you feel like some of that pressure is off? I mean, you lost You lost against a good opponent. You gave it your all. But now you've suffered that first loss. You know what it feels like. Not that you want to feel it again, but a little bit of pressure is off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now, now that you're you're not an undefeated fighter anymore, do you feel a little bit uh, less
1: pressure? Yeah. Um, uh, not really, because I like I like to be giving my all and being the best. But you know, in saying that about being a um, you know the the undefeated fighter, I think there's a lot of hype around being that now, and and it's it's a lot of pressure on a fighter to keep that O because. You know, you think back in the day, the greatest, Muhammad Ali, you know, he lost some fights, but he still put on great shows and, and excited the crowd. And there's a lot of great fighters that, that had a couple of losses and still were fantastic champions for the public, fantastic champions for the sport. So I think there's a lot of hype built around having that O. Oh, and, and, you know, there's all these people that are building up careers that are, you know, not as hardy as what they could be. So you could kind of see through them when they get in with someone that's a little, a little more, um, you know, ready. They, you know, the time shows and and the truth is spoken. So I don't know about that whole O thing, but you know, the pressure for me uh, is probably me always wanting to be my best and always striving to be better. So I think I put a lot of pressure on myself to be the best.
0: Now, back home in Australia, you faced mostly Asian women as your opponent. But Mm -hmm. Anai Torres was the first Mexican you faced. You faced Elvia Uh Trevino, your third one. And now your next opponent, Brenda Flores, is going to be your third Uh Mexican in a row. Do you notice a difference in their styles between Asian girls you're used to fighting and the Mexican girls?
1: Oh, 100%. You know, Mexicans are known for being tough fighters, and they are. They're tough fighters, you know. They can take hits, they can give hits, and and they're going to be there standing in front of you. So um, I think with the Asians, it's a little bit more, like, technique-based, but... um, you know, the Mexicans are hardy. they like the Filipinos. They're warriors, you know. So that's why you always see Filipinos and Mexicans battling each other. And they're always great fights because they're both warriors. They come from a place of, uh, you know, where you just got to work and, and grind and do what you do. So it's part of, part of their culture and part of their upbringing. And I think that's the difference, you know, between, I guess, the Asian Pacific and over here.
0: That the culture now, of being brought up in boxing is, is far greater. Yeah. Now Brenda Flores, she comes from Tijuana, Mexico. That's where I I'm located. And you know, there is okay, cool. if there is a Mexican if there's a Mexican town that that is synonymous with boxing, it's Tijuana. <laughs> so what That's do you true. know about yeah, what do you know about Brenda Flores? What have you seen about her and what do you expect from her on September eighth?
1: Uh, I know that she's um her record's quite good and she's she's fought against again, like she's had some great fights um championship fights as well, and she's hardy she goes the distance and she throws a lot of punches so um I know that yeah, I know that she's come in a fight and that she wants to win the world title just as much as I do
0: now, you know as well as I do that boxing is a sport that's very nationalistic, mm-hmm. you know, people tend to cheer for the fighter that is from the same country as they are. You know, you're from uh-huh. Australia but I know that your background <laughs> is a little bit different. What's what's your ethnic background?
1: Yeah, my mother is Filipino and my father is Australian. So I have the Filipino warrior blood and the I got the Aussie in me as well, so
0: So despite being half Filipino? <laughs> Despite being half Filipino, Triple G is your favorite fighter,
1: and not Manny Pacquiao? That's surprising. Um, no, actually, Triple G and Pacquiao are both my favorite fighters. You know, like uh, definitely look up to Pacquiao a lot with what he's achieved in the ring and for the country. Like he's an amazing star and um, you know a really big public figure in the Philippines. So he's definitely given them a lot of um, passion and a lot of a lot to look up up to and he's he's done a lot he's achieved a lot and it's amazing and definitely Triple G for his style and, and him as a human being you know he's such a, a great champion he carries, that, he carries that word very very well um, outside the ring he's a humble human being so it's more for me to aspire to be like and, and when he gets in the ring he just gets the job done so
0: Now you're going to be the the house fighter on September 8th, you're going to be the fighter that the promoter is responsible for in Tom Loeffler. Mm-hmm. But yeah. possibly the crowd favorite is going to be Brenda Flores because of the Mexican Yeah, I'm still
1: going to be that underdog. <laughs>
0: yeah, in Los Angeles. So, how have you mentally prepared for that? That maybe the crowd is not going to be behind you, even though you're like the Los Angeles and she's coming in from Tijuana? Uh
1: uh-huh. Um I guess. It- you're just there in the ring to do what you you're trained to do and to do what you love doing. Um, I I feel like I've been the underdog the whole way anyway. So to me, it doesn't make any difference. You know what I'm saying? I go to Japan and I fight. I, I'm there. to My mind is set on what I'm there to do. I don't, you know, I love, love to have all the fans and have everyone cheering for me. And it's exciting. But at the same time, I just love being in the ring and doing what I'm doing. And I've, I think I've
0: just gotten used to being that underdog, sir. Now, lastly, uh, Luisa, a quick uh, message to the fans about September 8th. Uh, What do you Mm -hmm. got to tell them about your fight? You know, obviously it's going to be an HBO telecast. Maybe a lot of people would plan to get there a little bit later, but you're going to be on their undercard. Uh So why should they get there early and see your fight?
1: Uh, I think we have got to get there early and check this fight out because it's going to be explosive. It's going to be exciting, and uh, there's going to be lots of ripping and rolling. And you know, we're we're going to bring something different to the ring than um, what everybody always sees. So, two women in there getting it on at a high level, and it's it's exciting. It's a fun time. So. I think everybody should tune in to the live feed and everyone from back at home in in the Philippines and in Australia should check it out. If you're not here and not able to get down to the show, it's going to be exciting.
0: Now, lastly, why don't you let the people know how to find you on social media that way they can follow your journey through the female boxing world.
1: For sure. If you check me out, I'm, I'm mostly on Instagram. So it's bang, bang, Lulu on Instagram. And, uh, facebook's louisa horton so you can check me out there um you know keep peeping seeing what we're up to and uh keep in touch all
0: right there you go there you have it thank you louisa and uh thank you
1: lastly can i just say something lastly like i'd like i'd actually just like to um thank my team that have brought me out here elvis grant has done a phenomenal job at Um, getting behind me and giving me these opportunities and um, my whole team that work with us and also 360 promotions and everybody, Tom Loeffler and everybody, the whole team there has been brilliant at receiving me. So thank you very much.
0: And there you have Luisa Harden who'll be facing Brenda Flores for the WBC Adam Wait title on September 8th from the Fabulous Forum in Los Angeles, California. Look for the broadcast on a streaming app by following 360 Promotions on Facebook. We encourage you to listen to the next 2-Minute Round on September 6th on BlockTalkRadio.com forward slash 2-Minute Round.